ain't seen nothing yet. Behold, a new face of fear. Walk by my side, and I will lead you to paradox. We're here. See your body dance and feel the magic on the floor. Say we lost you, but they never can score. Sunset in the space between the shores. You never met a darkness, you couldn't outshine. You left us everything, but still you're leaving us more. I can truly say that I have the whole damn world in my hand. Year. We're doing a special podcast here on Patreon about the, the life of Bray Wyatt, when the Rotunda, who uh, really sadly passed away yesterday at age 36. Uh, I'm joined by Sandra, <laughs> could not quit him. So um, we just wanted to. I had out. just about gotten there too, man. Like, well, it's funny. I was on the phone to Finn today and I said, you know, the thing is, although recently, the stuff has been dire on TV, right? Like, uh-huh. you know, if, if, you're, if you're honest, it has been, right? It but was, th- yeah. But the thing with him is, whenever he comes back, you're kind of glued again every time. Yep. No matter how many times there's a, a bad segment or a bad run or whatever. So um, I don't really know anybody else who I could say that about. He would always just draw you back in, right? Like even even this most recent return, I didn't let myself get as invested as I have before because the thing with Bray Wyatt, I know that obviously it was critical of his recent work and I think that that 
you know, like I, I don't undo that. Like I stand by some of his recent on screen stuff not being great, but like he there was a long time where Bray Wyatt was my favorite wrestler, right? Like, you know this. Like, I cried when The Undertaker beat him, and now I'm especially, like, more angry about it because he never got to, I don't know, he never got to rise to the heights that I think he could have. Um, But there was no one who was more invested in Bray Wyatt lore than me for a long time, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I will point to that 2013 F, or no, not 2013, 2011. Then the FCW promo where Eli Cottonwood is standing behind him and he debuts the character and talks about burning his dad's shrimp boat down and stuff that he did like drop references to throughout the years. Like, I mean, I've seen that so many times and all of the Bray Wyatt headcanon came from like watching the character from its infancy. And I don't, I, the whole thing is just such a, obviously really big tragedy i mean he had like young kids that he left behind and everyone's talking about his wrestling legacy and i think his wrestling legacy is really complicated it makes me really wish that he had gotten a chance to do a movie or something to harness that creativity that was put into the firefly funhouse match with john cena mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's a it's a tough career because he had the run in nxt where he was you know, like a total revolutionary talent in terms of what he was doing. Because it started in FCW. Like people forget that this character predates NXT. Yeah, and then he was kind of one of the the move the moveovers, right? Where uh-huh. and then when he when he came because I can only really talk about his main roster stuff because I don't really know as much about the NXT stuff as you, like you do. But when he came to the main roster in 2013, and he had the feud with Kane, and even though that Inferno Man, or whatever it was called at SummerSlam 2013. Oh gosh! Um, uh, it wasn't called Inferno. Much was it? Ring called? of Fire. Ring of Fire. Uh, let me just check here. What was the name of it? It was called. It was Fire, though, wasn't it? It was Fire. It was yeah, Ring of Fire match. You were right. Okay. Um, even though that like that match was was dire, right? It was, but that but like to to your point, Undertaker. Sometimes Undertaker was never about a good match. It was about this over the top character, and that's how. You know, that's people, there's a reason that people loved Undertaker because they connected to how wacky the character was. And people kind of love supernatural type stuff and other worldly type characters. And he kind of felt like that. And but Bray then, Wyatt could have, could have been the next coming of that. And I think where they did him a disservice, because I, I think a lot of the rambling of Bray Wyatt's like later promos and stuff are kind of on him because he didn't have an end game. But I think the end game that he had in his head never matched up with the booking because they were never willing to make him the top guy until after they'd already nerfed him. Do you think part of it is that if he came in, he obviously beat Kane and then there was the John Cena feuds, which mm-hmm. somebody had posted this morning or last night, I can't remember what it was, the, the Eminem legacy video, which I'd totally forgotten about, which was so good. Oh, I forgot about that too, yeah. Um, but like, I feel like he was, because I looked it up, he would have been... When he was, uh, when when he was doing the stuff with uh, Cena, he would have been twenty six. Mm-hmm. Is it maybe just that the system was set up that somebody who was that young was they were never going to push somebody at twenty six or twenty seven to to beat these like bigger names? But that's kind of the fault of them for not having for for, for setting up that system that was kind of designed to fail. 
Well, yeah. And I mean, that was the peak time where they were really focusing on veterans coming back for WrestleMania. And, you know, it was the perfect storm of getting me to hate The Undertaker, right? (laughs) Because he would always come back and then face somebody and then leave. And then, like, I mean, CM Punk called it out, right? He was just like, well, what does that do, though? Like, yeah, maybe that helps continue to ensure that we have another fucking Undertaker match next year. But that's kind of it, right? For people like me that weren't invested in his legacy. And I remember... At the time of the John Cena feud, like, Cena was so unstoppable because that was, like, you know, in the time of lol Cena wins and lol Cena won. And I remember the WrestleMania match being egregious, but what was more egregious was the cage match that they had. Was that on, like, was that on Raw or was that Payback, maybe? It was afterwards, right? When Bray Wyatt technically got the win, but, like, everybody looked like dog shit. Yeah, because they had had two more matches. They had the one... Was it the one Extreme Rules and then Payback? I'm trying to I'm trying to get the It was in a cage, so whichever one was in the cage. I'm finding it now. So they had the, they had the WrestleMania the thing was it didn't really matter about any of the other matches because it, what mattered was gonna be the WrestleMania match because that was the one that people ultimately would remember because that's the biggest show. Mm-hmm. So the cage the cage match was Extreme Rules, which was the month after Yeah, yeah, because so Cena wins at WrestleMania, then the next month at uh, Extreme Rules, Bray Wyatt wins in the cage match. But so do you remember how he won? He did he not like just crawl out? Oh no, the, he just he, walked out. Yeah, because just... like because John Cena absolutely nerfed Brody Lee, Luke Harper at the time, obviously, and Eric Rowan. And like I remember the visual of Eric Rowan and like Luke Harper's on top of the cage trying to interfere, and Cena just like does away with all of them, including these two monster men. And then like I'm trying to remember. Did Bray like hit him with something or he hypnotized him or something, didn't he? And then he just like walked out the door. Uh, let me just check. Wasn't it like a spooky situation? Because yeah, it, then... it wasn't like when he beat Dean Ambrose by ghost, but. Let me read out the results here. So, um, Steel Cage match, John Cena, Bray Wyatt. During the match, Harper attacked Cena on top of the cage, resulting in Harper falling into the cage. Cena did a super AA on Wyatt. Harper broke it up. Rowan attacked Cena top the cage. Um, Cena performed a diving leg drop bulldog on Harper and attempted to escape through the door, but the arena lights went off. When the arena lights turned on, a demonic child appeared, singing he's got the whole world in his hands. That's Cena, right, it was Spooky Kid. Cena performed Sister Abigail and Cena escaped through the door to win the match. So he couldn't even pin him after the Sister Abigail? Nope. Just walked out the door. I remember being raging. I remember it being one of my essays to you and Robert. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just being like, <laughs> I'm so angry. He just beat them up and like he takes all this damage and then he just like pops up and like, and I was like, my first realization of why Super Cena is a problem, right? Was and then that right final, around then. And then the final match is payback where Cena beats him in the last man standing match. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but I, th- I think the problem for, for Bray was. And I get why the Undertaker thing was so egregious to you. I don't necessarily think that's like an Undertaker problem. I think it's more a WWE problem where they. I just think it's like... a WWE presenting the Undertaker problem. Like I do not blame Mark Calloway for that decision. I blame WWE for that decision. Yeah, because if they if they knew he wasn't going to be able to come to TV, like Undertaker was not going to be at TV between uh, WrestleMania, uh, he wasn't going to be in the build up, right? And it was only going to be mm-hmm. Wyatt. Well, then. And so Undertaker knew he was going to turn up, and he he kind of was going to get a win because otherwise, because he lost to... the year before, and they were giving him a win back, but they shouldn't have booked it against Wyatt. Yeah, 
And then Wyatt got injured that day, so then it became like a, the match. So then the match good. wasn't even that good, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's the only time we're on Inside the Ropes podcast I'm going because I'm so negative. That I was we felt so like we were, angry. We felt like we were going to alienate our Patreon subscribers because it was just like <laughs> critically acclaimed WrestleMania that everyone loved, and you and I hated it, it so much. Yeah, so, I, so much. I need to find if I still have that recording somewhere. It's very funny. Um, it is very funny. But, it's like it's me crying and being like, <laughs> "I hate everything. Everything's so bad." And you're like, "Sting," and I'm like, "It's terrible." Oh yeah, it was. There was nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you do things. Fuck your... the the NWO. I don't care. I hate them all. You know, you've always got like things in your back pocket where you can like get your podcast partner back in the game. You know, to to make them happy. Nothing is going to make nope. you have. But then, I mean, because he obviously he ended up winning the WWE title um, that at elimination chamber and th- that yes. night like i i cried that night too because it was so great like he pinned john cena and aj styles it felt like redemption for the undertaker and cena thing before because he actually got to win it like and, and also i mean i know that the ending the ending of it was not good but the no. partnership with randy orton was so great like, that was great. The storytelling was great. There's a, re- I mean, I booed Randy Orton for years, and the reason I said boo Randy Orton for years, if people don't remember, is because he burned down Bray Wyatt's house. Mm-hmm. Like I was that invested in Bray Wyatt and his story, and like that kayfabe story made me hate kayfabe Randy Orton for literal years, to the point where I'm blocked on Twitter. You know, to this day. To this um, day, <laughs> I have to log into the Queen Street Posse account to see what Randy Orton tweets. <laughs> um, but you so I mean, obviously, then we had the House of Horrors match, which kind of then I feel like it, what happened was with 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 Bray Wyatt, it's like he always got something, and then it was like they never went with him fully. And then, mm-hmm. but, at, but at this point, because I think one of the issues for me with Wyatt was. In like 2014, 15, 16, 17, he was still pretty good in the ring. Yeah, he could still go. Um, Like, I mean, his matches were never going to be the best ever, but you're looking for big moments with Bray Wyatt, right? Like, you're not looking for... But also... um, yeah, but I mean, if you look at, and I'm I'm always going to make the Undertaker comparison with him. I'm always going to make it because I think it makes the most sense. But like, if you look at Undertaker who came into WWF in November 1990. So he would have been at that point. What age would Mark Calloway have been? And so he would have been twenty-five when he came in to WWF, right? And realistically, his first good matches that he really started having were with Mick Foley in '96. So six years into the run, yeah. And you know Bray Wyatt. I mean, his his run started in 2013. So in realistic terms, 2019. Might have been the first time where he started doing matches that were like great, mm-hmm. but then obviously by that point they'd morphed him into the fiend, which kind of like handcuffed him. I mean, it was a great. We've said this a million times. It would be so good as a movie. He's got so many good ideas, but that then you know killed... where else it would have been good. Where impact? Oh yeah, because they would they would have been because they... I think it never fit in the wwe system and obviously like i'm i'm happy that he got to work for wwe he was going to make a lot more money in wwe than he would have been impact like his family legacy is there whatever whatever right but i think that if he had had the chance if health wise it would have been possible like because he obviously had some some mental stuff that took him away 
uh, for times as well. Um, if the stars had aligned to let him really explore that creativity in a system that wasn't as corporate and shiny and sanitized as WWE, I think it could have been magic because Impact's a company that, you know, let the broken universe shine, right? And I don't know how, how much longevity it would have had, but I feel like he never got a chance to tell the story that was in his head. And that's why we were so critical of him and him being part of the, I don't know, the issue of it not really making sense or jiving, right? But it seems like he had a really great story in his head and I wish we would have gotten a chance to see it. I think the closest we ever got was that Firefly Funhouse match. Well, let's just go through a couple of Because obviously we're just talking about the wrestling stuff because that's all we can really talk about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the Cena stuff, the Undertaker stuff and the Orton stuff a little bit. But then... One thing that's kind of forgotten in his time is the kind of partnership and rivalry with Matt Hardy. What did you? Where did that sit with you? Do you think it was good? Was it bad? I mean, they also the they had the ultimate deletion match on Raw. What do you think back about that? I think it was one of those things that I wish would have happened in Impact, where both of those characters could have lived to their full potential. Because I. I understand why they wanted to put Matt Hardy with Bray Wyatt. It was a natural match, right? Like you have spooky character of deletion and you have spooky character of Bray Wyatt and it makes sense. You want to see the two spooky characters fight, but it's kind of like when you put the undertaker against Bray Wyatt, like the two spooky characters fighting doesn't necessarily work in this environment. And because Woken Matt Hardy never felt quite the same as broken matt hardy like it just felt like something was missing like there was a raw edge to it or something that was there in impact that wasn't in wwe probably just because of overproduction and just like the system's not made for it right um it was underwhelming and i didn't come away with it with like a great feeling toward it because it just felt like i don't know it just it, it felt fizzled like there was something missing for me in that feud yeah, I think there was there was a lot of potential to it, but then because you had the kind of thing of WWE were doing the woken thing, but not the broken thing, mm-hmm. and then I mean I did like his big apron that he had, yeah, um, and then obviously he became the fiend in 2019. We were very lucky to be there. At yeah, I I found it. I saw the video on my phone, um, from like that little snippet of the entrance when I was sitting with you and KJ in Toronto and. I'm I'm glad that I have that. And I found the pictures from 2017 before the ring turned into maggots. Um, <laughs> because that entrance, I, I'm trying to think that 2017 entrance was the first like big grandiose entrance of his that I got to see, you know, like I think I'd yeah. seen him live before, but uh, it's different at WrestleMania and it's different in an environment like SummerSlam. So getting to see him come back and getting to see the fiend debut and all of us being like what the fuck is going on he's carrying his own head as a lantern like maybe this time it will be great and it um, was for a little while i thought the firefly funhouse stuff was great i actually have my firefly funhouse box next to me right now <laughs> like i mean it's one of my one of my favorite live one of my most favorite live experiences was that that just that whole thing that yeah. SummerSlam entrance and match but then i mean that then I think ultimately this fiend is this double-edged sword because it gave us the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania 36, mm-hmm. which was like, I mean, you're phenomenal. Whole, yeah, I mean, because you know how like there's that whole thing online, the debate about cinema, wrestling being cinema and stuff. Uh-huh. But like that was cinema. It that, was. But it also there was I think there was so much bad in that, like you know the the, 
the red light during the matches, Seth Rollins, the Seth Rollins stuff. I mean, it, it, the problem well, is because was, again, they they see spooky and they either overdo it to the point where it just looks too hokey for words, or it just doesn't fit with your other characters, right? Like, why would Seth Rollins be cowering in fear from the sky? And then, like, I thought the stuff with Brian was good. And I mean, we didn't even talk about Brian joining the Wyatt family in what twenty thirteen. Yeah, late 2013, early 2014. Like, I mean, that really helped in the ascension of Daniel Bryan and WWE too, like on his way to superstardom, accidental superstardom though it may be. Um, But then, you know, the thing thing with The Fiend though is The Fiend did kind of ruin everybody he worked with. Yeah. Was the the issue. And and then, I mean... Because he had to win, but then where do you go from there? And then, and of it, course, it always seemed like every time he won and every time he lost, it didn't really matter to him. And I think that's where the character stuff started to fall apart was that he was never affected by loss. Like he loses to The Undertaker and he comes back and says, I've got the whole world in my hands. Well, no, you don't because you lost and you should care about that. Right. And that's kind of where the cracks started to form. And, and yeah, I remember like, I wish we could have gotten the end of his story. I remember really vividly, like, cause there's, you know, there's loads of stuff you forget because there's so much wrestling all the time. But mm. I remember when they announced the match with Goldberg, and I remember being nervous about it. I'm just thinking, oh, oh I had, I had the fear. But and then I, I was, remember, I was right. Was, <laughs> but there was like a, I'm sure it was like a sit down interview with Goldberg, where he was either via satellite or they were doing it backstage or whatever. And Wyatt interacted with him, and he completely no sold the whole thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh fuck, he's gonna win." There's no, like yep. he, he's gonna, and then of course because like you know Goldberg, he's not gonna lose to that guy. He, and then and yeah. it was the worst jackhammer of all time. Yep, the whole thing was just it was a travesty. It was not good. And then I feel like everything past uh, the Firefly Funhouse was for the fiend was a mess. It was. The, ho- the horror show Extreme Rules with the Swamp Match, the Alexa Bliss joining, Lily the Doll. Uh, well, the- and it, it nerfed Alexa Bliss for a while too, right? Because she was trying to do this whole Lily thing and it was all supposed to be with Bray, but then Bray wasn't there and then Bray got released and then Alexa Bliss had to still have a doll forever. And it just, it kind of felt like making a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of a story. Mm-hmm. And then you couldn't really make out anything that was going on anymore, but they wanted to hang on to it because they were like, people love this and we're selling a lot of merchandise. And then we also can't forget the Firefly Inferno match where we got Crispy Bray Wyatt. Look, I love Crispy Bray Wyatt. I actually really enjoyed the Firefly Inferno match. Is that the one where Alexa Bliss had the goo at the end? Yes. Yeah, but then, but then there was the the whole again Orton and Wyatt though their legacies are tied, and then they have that match at WrestleMania where Alexa Bliss comes out of the big box. I think that's maybe where the goo is though. That's where the goo was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was also terrible. And then of course so he get, he gets released on I think it was like July twenty twenty two some of that, and then on mm-hmm. July twenty twenty one it was twenty twenty one. He was gone for over a year, and then and then he comes back. I mean that Extreme Rules comeback was amazing. As Incredible. And and like the white rabbit clues before it kind of leading to stuff like, you know, it's going to be Wyatt, but they had enough teases that it could be somebody else. That was really cool. Um, again, then, really creative stuff that didn't have an end game. And then you know, he killed Ellie Knight for a while. Uh-huh. Pitch black match. Then he had the thing. Where I was live for Bray oh, you Wyatt's were there. last you were match. There. Yeah. 
And what what give us just this kind of summary live of what was it like? It was bad. <laughs> like it But did people in the arena like it? No. Everyone was kind of quiet. Everyone was either going to get drinks or just kind of like what's going on because it looked really cool on TV. It did not look cool in the arena. It just looked like I don't know, a black light shining on a toy set or something. And we like we had decent Royal Rumble seats. It wasn't I think we were tier one um, and it just, it wasn't that good and it was underwhelming. And, you know, like when uncle Howdy and the puppets appeared at top the thing, I could see it. And I saw the dive kind of like the opposite side of the arena. So I didn't really see, but then like watching that back on TV, you see that he missed it. Just it's, it's a shame. <laughs> like it just felt like such a whimper of a way to, to go out before he obviously ultimately was going to build the feud with Bobby Lashley that never happened. I think for me, the thing that made me know that the, the, the Bray Wyatt um, carries what he was doing, he kind of was, was not something I was into anymore was because I really like the undertaker, like whisper thing. And I still think if they had mm-hmm. been able to do something where the two then worked together, like undertaker was like in a faction with him, that could have been amazing, but obviously they were never going to do that. And then, I mean, they had the whisper thing as like, oh, this is me finally putting you over or something. But it just felt like too little too late to me. Like, you had such a special talent on your hands, man. But then, like, but then remember when it was like, oh, it's, um, somebody's going to be facing Wyatt at WrestleMania. And you're like, oh, God, that poor fucker's going to be screwed, whoever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I mean, I think in terms of like, the last 10 years, I don't really think there's anybody who's been more creative with character stuff than him. Although a lot of it has been insane and made no sense and kind of made you want to, like, bash your head against the wall. Well, it's like he needed somebody who understood the character and then he also needed people around to work with that would have highlighted the character instead of, you know, they were caught in a bit of a double-edged sword where he's a top star that makes them a lot of money and they want to present him because people want to see him on TV but they don't want to sacrifice any other top stars to him, which makes sense because for a while they were doing that with The Fiend and it just kind of felt yeah. like he was nerfing everybody, you know, the way that he, it just, he just didn't fit. Like he did not fit in the WWE landscape. He was too, too creative for it, but also needed somebody to rein in some of the stuff. Cause it felt like he had a lot of ideas about dropping clues and like, you know, his his tweets about like, hey, I left a, a secret coded message in eight promos from 2013 or whatever, and nobody ever found it. And then he tweets the lines out. And I know which promos he's talking about, because like I said, no one was more, no one was more attentive and obsessive about coming through Bray Wyatt lore than me, right? And so to see the, the, the message all lined up and to be like, oh, that's what he was talking about when he said this and it seems like he had an idea in his head, but it just, it didn't fit in the WWE landscape. And I think that's really unfortunate. Yeah, I think it is unfortunate. And I think the, the, the one thing I'm quite sad at, and this is just a selfish thing probably, is that we never got the sit down interview with Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Sort of, because he was never able to sort of explain his side of everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he was, when he'd been released and, like I, it never got as far as me talking to the person, but I knew who I knew the person who represented him, mm-hmm. and I just was like, "He's if I book him, he's never going to give me the story because he's right. he knows he can go back, and if he goes mm-hmm. back and he gives me the story, then and I've been burned with that before. I don't need to yeah. burn for that again. 
But I think it's a shame that we didn't get to hear his, you know, because there's, there's like things he could have told people about or explained to the crowd about what this was meant to be. And we're probably never going to get that now because I don't think MDL's point understands any of it. Yeah. So, but I mean, and like you- it's it's such a bummer. I mean, obviously, like we're we're talking about all the wrestling stuff. Like it, the tributes pouring in have been about you know what a good dude he was and always willing to help and always willing to talk to people backstage and like give people advice on promos. Like he was one of the best storytellers the company's ever seen. You know what I mean? Like in terms of actually physically presenting a story to someone, I think obviously the end goals to the stories were not always clear, but he was such a creative mind like that character was entirely from his brain and such a hard left from like the axel now i'm trying to remember what what the name is but it was Axel, the hockey mask character that he did in fcw for a while and like husky harris was what even was a husky harris i mean he was a tank with a ferrari engine whatever that means um but bray bray wyatt was such a departure from that and so iconic and like, I mean, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, my wrestling fandom would be different without Bray Wyatt, because when I became a fan of his in 2013, he introduced me to the love of spooky shit the way that Undertaker did for a lot of people. And I think that's why I was so devastated when when they didn't make him the guy, because it, he was just at the wrong time. Like, I feel like if he would have debuted now and had the same career now, I think it would have been much different. Um. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really sad. It's really sad that he's, you know, 36. It's so young. It's awful. I mean, like, that's that's the age my mom was when she died, you know? And that's, like, he has young kids, and that sucks. Like, it, it's just really tragic. Like, I, I feel awful for his wife and for, obviously, their whole family. Like, I mean, Bo Dallas, obviously, had been working with his brother, finally, which they'd wanted to do for... I mean, they were FCW tag team champions, I think. But, you know, like, they were finally getting to do a thing, and the whole thing is just really, really sad. And he'd been, like, medically cleared to compete two weeks before he died? He was actually cleared? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was actually cleared. I knew he was, like, on the way to being cleared. Um, yeah, because all was... the reports were that he was getting better. Yeah, he was um, He was, He was. was cleared. Um, and, uh, yeah, and... And he's making positive steps and it's just it's such a such a sad thing, right? And it made me think of obviously Keith Lee had a lot of heart complications from COVID as well. And it's it's just really, really sad that that this happened. I mean, a heart attack at 36 is just there's there's nothing you can say other than it's a tragedy. Yeah. It's very, very sad. Well, listen, um we'll 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 stop there. Um, any last any last words you want to say just now about why? Because you know we'll talk about why a lot going forward, and yeah, you know, one day we'll end up covering stuff on retro. Which is, is I mean, bizarre. we're just we're in the retro game for yeah. the duration, right? Like, like it's going to be cockroaches and you and me talking about like 2023 and however many 20 years look, we'll I'm, still be here. I'm, I, I'm as someone who like when I'm watching tw- 2003 I'm like watching it in a different way I think in 20 years we'll be watching today in a different way so I think it's going to be really fascinating once we get to like the advent of Bray Wyatt like there's part of me that thinks when we get to um like to the time that NXT debuts, obviously we're not going to watch NXT as well. Um, 
if you want to give us the time codes, we things can... that I I might like be like, hey, here's what's important in the NXT realm today yeah. or whatever. Um, because you know, and then if the, if there are things like Bray Wyatt's debut in FCW at the time and in, in you know whenever that promo was with Eli Cottonwood standing behind him, like those are the kinds of things that planted seeds for. I think a legacy that will be looked on fondly. I think it's best to remember his wrestling legacy before the fiend, honestly. Um, But the fiend had a lot of really good stuff to it too. And I think there was some masterful storytelling with the puppets. And like, I, I look at my ramblin' rabbit pin every day. It's on my pin board. That's, Mm. that's right by our door in our apartment. And I wish we could have, gotten to the bottom of what ramblin rabbit knew about the fun house mm. you know like, i feel like his story just never got to be completely told but I, or, I thank him for really instilling my love of wrestling and loving the weird shit also we will never know what bray wyatt and drag was going to look like when he was going to wrestle finn Balor as sister abigail with TLC. oh that's right wasn't that we, the what was that meningitis or something that took that match from us or the monkey pox something like that yeah Yeah. it's like he had he had a lot of unfortunate stops and starts that weren't his fault too that were just medical things or mental health stuff um and he was he was obviously a very guarded person but yeah like it it just sucks it sucks a lot i cried yesterday for for a little while one last difficult question for you and then we can go which bray wyatt song do you want to finish with the good one, the first one. <laughs> um, like, okay. not even a question. It has to be broken out in love. Or what did they call it? Live in fear? Yeah, live in fear. Yeah, it um, has to be that one. Here is this. Uh, here's the live in fear song by Bray Wyatt. And, you know, just hug everyone you love. You never hug know. Hug everyone you love. Yeah. Um, it sucks. Apart from Donald Trump, who left forever. Um, we said everyone you love, Kenny. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> you love. Um, so thank you so much for all your support everyone here's Bray Wyatt and we'll talk to you soon bye bye